Grace, mercy, and the peace of God, our Father and our Lord Jesus, be and abide with you this day. As we begin this journey of Lent, Lent is a season of 40 days, which begins on a Wednesday and ends on a Sunday, and if you do the math, that's 46 days. So you don't count the Sundays, that's part of the tradition. It's a focus on repentance, of struggle, of testing, of reflection on our need for Jesus. A need that we recognize throughout the year, but particularly in this time, as we approach the week of Christ's passion and the cross and all that that meant in his suffering and his death on our behalf, as we approach that, we spend this time, this six-and-a-half-week season in preparation for Holy Week, in preparation in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls for the death of Jesus and remembering what all that is about. I learned this this week. Maybe I'd known it before, but um, quarantine comes from, uh, I guess, an old French word, and it means a period of 40 days. We know it far differently now. (laughs) We've been enduring a period of much greater than 40 days of testing and trial over the last 11 months. Quarantine now means to separate oneself, to avoid spreading disease. Initially, it was a time of 40 days that was deemed necessary for that. In this season, we're going to start a new sermon series today, simply called 40. 40, reflecting on this significant number in the Bible, 40 days, 40 years, a a time that when you look at all these seasons of 40 days or 40 years in the Bible, talks about waiting and testing and trial and ordeal requiring patience or resistance and definitely trust. 40. Common themes in biblical 40 events include wilderness, wandering or waiting in the wilderness, fasting, shows up in multiple 40 events. And then there's temptation or trial or testing. And this morning we begin in Mark chapter 1 with Jesus surviving the wilderness. There was a show that was originally aired on the Discovery Channel, Man vs. Wild. And Bear Grylls, or however you say his name, would, would be placed into these situations somewhere in the world, whether it was a jungle or a desert or, you know, any kind of environment where survival was difficult. And the film crew would be with him so that they could create a show out of this, and he would demonstrate survival skills by being out in the wilderness somewhere. Well, in Mark chapter 1, we see that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. 
This is right after his baptism, and about a month ago, we considered the baptism of Jesus, particularly in Mark's gospel, and so we were in this text already. We started with the, the um, events of Jesus, his dedication and, and things like that, and made it through a description of Mark, uh, sorry, of John in Mark's gospel, John the Baptist, and then Jesus' baptism. And that's where we ended the reading that day. Well, today we've backed up a little bit picked up the baptism again, and then in verse 11, the baptismal scene ends with this verse. A voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And right away, verse 12, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. That word drove kind of gives us a different feel from the other Gospels that talk about the Spirit led him to the wilderness. Here it almost seems like Jesus is resistive to this plan, to this event. But the Spirit drove him to the wilderness where Jesus was. It's just the wilderness is a place of significance, particularly to people in the first century who were Jewish. They would recognize wilderness. Ah, that is, well, that's about us. And in a few weeks, we're going to talk about Israel enduring the wilderness when they had left Egypt, when God had brought them up in the time of the Exodus. And they entered the wilderness, which was this land in between Egypt and the promised land, and it was, it was pretty vast. And initially, they were going to make it their way through the wilderness fairly quickly. Along the way, stopping at Mount Sinai, where Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days. Then spies went into the land for 40 days. And then because of their disobedience, the people of Israel wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Some of those events are going to be part of our series as we think about these 40 Days or years. Types of events in the Bible. Well, this Jewish audience would understand immediately that there's a connection here. A connection to their identity as God's chosen. Jesus, in his baptism, was announced as the Son of God with whom God was pleased. And what that announcement says is that Jesus is Israel reduced to one person. Israel was designated as the people or the son of God. And here's Jesus, the son of God. Israel, the son of God who had seasons of disobedience and wandering and giving into temptation. Jesus, the son of with whom God is well pleased. So Jesus is out in the wilderness, and Jesus was with the wild animals. This is how God, uh, Mark's gospel reads. And is Mark just adding details? This is an interesting um, thought. Like, what's the deal with the wild animals out there in the wilderness with Jesus? Well, wild animals live in the wilderness. That makes sense. But Mark's gospel, honestly, doesn't really have a lot of extra detail in it. 
Like, Mark is not the painter of the picture. Like, let's talk about all the details that are happening in this story so that you understand, you know, kind of the scene that's there and maybe some various people who are there. Mark is focused on the action. His gospel moves really quick from event to event and from story to story. So for Mark to put in those details that there were wild animals in the wilderness with Jesus is... It would be out of the ordinary for that to be an extraneous detail. So what does he mean? Mark's gospel's original audience is believed to be people in Rome who were enduring the persecution in the first century that Rome had inflicted on the the new Christians who were there. And probably this is familiar, and if not, you know, just a bit of the backstory. In the first century, Rome was not tolerant of Christianity. And in fact, because it was such a fledgling, scattered people, the Romans made sport of taking unarmed Christians and putting them in an arena with hungry lions just because they could. Pretty awful. So for Christians in Rome to read that Jesus was with the wild beasts, was that an encouragement to the people of Rome to say, the wild beasts are not the problem? Was that an encouragement to them that that it was possible to survive among wild beasts? It's unknown. What we can see in there, and it's easy to understand, is that There's an implication of danger where the wild animals are. That that Jesus was out in the wilderness and it wasn't a camping experience. This wasn't a, a mountaintop, you know, retreat center Jesus was hanging out in during this time. No, it was real wilderness and there were real wild animals. That's also possible. Or possibly it's an allusion to Job chapter 5, words from Job's friend Eliphaz, who said this, At destruction and famine you shall laugh and shall not fear the beasts of the earth. For you shall be in league with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. So Jesus is out among the wild beasts, and they're not causing him any problems fulfilling pretty obscure passages of the Old Testament and identifying as Son of God in that way. Or as an allusion to other places where beasts are not a problem, where people are said to be able to tread on snakes and scorpions, or where lions and lambs snuggle together. There's all kinds of connections in those simple words that the beasts, the wild beasts were there where Jesus was. One more possibility is that Adam and Eve were in a garden and naming animals and animals were around them is how we picture that. And so Jesus in the wilderness with the wild beasts the evidence of what happened in the garden because Adam and Eve, have it, Adam and Eve had given in to temptation. 
So evidence was the wild beasts in the wilderness, and there was Jesus facing temptation. We might feel like we're in the wilderness from time to time, separated from where we want to be, where we need to be, struggling in life. And this series will revisit these themes of struggle and waiting and testing and trial. Today, we consider the wilderness times of facing temptation. Jesus was tempted by Satan. Here's Mark's entire report about that. We already read verse 12 that talks about he was in the wilderness and the wild animals were there. And then verse 13. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. That's it. That's all he has to say about the temptation Jesus faced. Mark's gospel is as concise as anywhere else about this temptation. Matthew and Luke give details. Matthew has 11 verses about the temptation of Jesus. Luke 13, not that those numbers mean a lot. They're pretty similar uh, in the details that they share. And they share three temptations that Jesus faced. He fasted for 40 days, and the temptation was to turn the stones into bread. I can't imagine fasting for 40 days. I've never tried it. I have no plans to. But that was one of the temptations. He was shown the kingdoms of the earth and tempted to claim power and authority in a way that was different from God's plan. He was taken to the pinnacle of the temple and tempted to test God and his identity as God's son. But Mark gives no details about those temptations. Perhaps for Mark's audience, those temptations weren't that relatable. Like those are not the temptations that I face. If I don't fast for 40 days... I won't be tempted to turn stones into bread. And even if that were a temptation, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't plan on being, you know, the ruler. So being shown the kingdoms of the world and given the opportunity to claim power in a way outside of God's plan, that's not a temptation that I face. I'm not tempted to throw myself off of a pinnacle to test God's ability to rescue me or save me or even my identity as his child. So maybe Mark's gospel just assumes talking about those temptations isn't as necessary as just saying Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted as we are. Those three temptations we don't believe are the only temptations Jesus faced. See, Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And how that works is a mystery to us that we'll never get our minds around. But he was tempted in all kinds of ways in the same way that we are. I'm sure he was tempted to laugh out in anger at people who were around him from time to time. Just like we are tempted when opportunity knocks and temptation kicks the door down. Maybe we're tempted by food. 
tempted to overindulge, tempted to eat things that aren't healthy for us. Maybe we're tempted by money, by acquiring it, by hoarding it, by, by keeping it to ourselves. Or tempted, in a related way, by things, by having things. I remember when I was younger hearing the expression, he who dies with the most toys wins. And then the bumper sticker that countered that was, he who dies with the most toys still dies. I used to like toys a lot. Well, I still, my toys have become more sophisticated, I guess. And they're still tempting. Maybe we're tempted by relationships or using relationships to get what we want. Maybe we're tempted to manipulate people. Maybe we're tempted to gossip about people. Maybe the temptation we face is to use what power or influence we have for our own gain. There's all kinds of temptations. Maybe right now you're recognizing in your mind a temptation that you faced again and again and again. But here's what Mark's gospel, in a very simple way, tells us about temptation. God provides. Not the temptation God provides when we're in that temptation. Angels were ministering to Jesus. It was there in verse 13. He was tempted for 40 days. The wild animals were there, and angels were ministering to him. There's an interesting connection here. Because of the temptations that Matthew and Luke describe, the third one puts the words of Psalm 91 on the lips of Satan, the tempter. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down because it's written, and he quotes Psalm 91. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And here it is in Mark's gospel the angels were ministering to him in the wilderness in this time of temptation. Interesting. But our focus for today is that Jesus provides for us. Jesus provides for you and me for the times when we are tempted and tried. He helps us in our need. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says this, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus understands. He understands our suffering. He understands our humanity. He understands our weakness. He understands how in the core of our being, temptation has so much power. He understands how easy it is because he has literally walked in our shoes. He understands and sympathizes with our inability to overcome temptation in our own strength and power. He understands our weakness. 
For we do not have a high priest. This is in Hebrews chapter 4 at verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Tempted as we are. Tempted just as we are in his humanity, in his flesh, which Jesus took on on our behalf. He understands our weakness and our temptation. But he also provides a way out. So Jesus doesn't just sympathize with our temptation he provides a way out. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In, in other words, you don't face temptations that aren't typical. Maybe they're different from other people you know. Maybe your temptations are unique in your family or your, among your friends or coworkers. But no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Sometimes we might wonder what that is, the way of escape. Where's the lifeline that we can call on? Where's the rescue that we can hope for? Especially when we have temptations that come at us again and again and again. The way out of our temptation is to turn to our Lord who provides. The same God who provided the sacrifice in the wilderness for Abraham to rescue his son Isaac. In that temptation, in that trial that Abraham was in, more of a trial than a temptation, I should say, in that testing that he was in, God provided the sacrifice over against our temptation and our inability to overcome it. God has provided the sacrifice. The way out from that is the cross. The way out from our temptation isn't that God's going to pull us out of every tempting situation that we might face but how God has done so already is through the cross that he has provided, through the sacrifice that he has given, through the Son of God who faced temptation yet without sin so he could be the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for you and for me and for all the times we have just given in, dropped our guard, walked straight into it, even willfully. I don't remember who said it, but there's a quote that I remember reading. Lead us not into temptation. Just point us in the direction and we'll find it. And sometimes that's true. The way out is through the cross of Christ because Jesus leads us to repentance. If you have a Bible that has red letters or if you can just scan the page, you can find this as well. Mark chapter 1. 
at the end of our reading, in verse 15, Jesus says these words, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Recognize this. Those are Jesus' first words in Mark's gospel. First thing he says. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. In the person of Christ, repent and believe. Turn to the Lord, believe the good news, receive the grace earned for you at the cross, and live in that grace. Throughout these 40 days of Lent, well, and all of our days, we need to trust in Jesus, repent of our sin, face temptation, strengthened by the Spirit of God, and believe in the gospel. The good news of Jesus, the Son of God, who was tempted yet without sin, who understands our temptations and provides for us grace.